0: Oh, could you uh, join me in prayer? Lord God, we have ascribed to you the just due of your name here today in our gathering as we have sung, as we've shared with one another, and we ask that you speak to us today now. We don't need to hear the thoughts of a man, but the revelation of an eternal and loving God. Speak through me with clarity and authority, with your tenderness and love seasoned with grace. Lord, save souls today as your gospel is unpacked. And we ask this in the authority of the matchless, matchless name of Jesus. In your holy name. Amen. Amen, church. It is so good to be back with you. Uh, I know my wife and I were really sick a couple weeks ago and uh, really hit it a little bit too hard this week. So um, pray for my voice Got two services and then a a little class in between services. And God's going to be good. He's going to be glorified. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I I know as a young guy... um, You know, if if you knew me as a middle schooler, I had very, very, very strong convictions as a middle schooler. In fact, I pleaded with my parents to go to a public school after I had uh, private school training. Um, I just said, man, I am ready to be the light. I am ready to go out, you know, because there are people who are dying. And, uh, and I'll tell you, there's nothing about the world that scared me. And and I know sometimes as a communicator, you don't want to, you know, set yourself up as invincible or all that kind of stuff. I'm just being really honest. I was so jazzed to be able to get the gospel out there in whatever context I could, uh, um, get it in. But I lost the war. Um, I (laughs) went to a private high school, um, but I did meet my wife, so it was not all for, for loss, but, um. You know, There's an image, though, that I believe that um, I think is something that we can't be scared of in our culture. Um, but it is this idea that God has called you and I to be ambassadors and called the church to be a life-saving station, not a country club. And as a pastor in the American church, that is always a battle because country club members always demand country club status, country club Ease all of that kind of stuff as though, as though it's all about them. And really, I, I just, I love this imagery of lighthouses. That's why I love Michigan. Michigan's got lots of lighthouses. And the function of a lighthouse is to pr- provide warning. And uh, as you see, very rough waves out there. and uh, But really, our job as a church is not to hide in the lighthouse and say, hey, we're going to be the light. Uh, man, I tell you, that is the gospel does that. We have the opportunity to accept the invitation of a risen Lord. And this same Jesus who walked on water, even stormy waters, is the one who invites you and I out there to really be the gospel out there in the context in which God has for each one of us. It's a beautiful thing. Yet at the same time, We want to take very seriously that we have got to be men and women and children who know the gospel. Um, That is what we bleed about here because that is what the word of God bleeds over. It comes back to the gospel. So I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. on page 1131 in the uh, bible under the seat in front of you want everyone to follow along as we talk through the text but uh, the apostle paul is addressing a a people that i think uh, what he is doing is a demonstration for all of us and we we we've got to know our stuff church we got to know the word of god we got to know the gospel Um, great opportunities before us second service beginning today uh, matt hennessy is teaching a class it's called basics of christianity but really the fundamentals are that we so know the gospel that we are able to be salt and light and that we be a salt shaker out there um, to a world that so desperately needs seasoning and everything that salt does um, but also this saturday there's opportunity at haven a lot of our grace springers have have really sponsored this opportunity for this author who is Um, written mama bear apologetics Um, for any of you it's it's not just for kids it's for all age groups as well as the classic and service for all age groups because we need to know the gospel but again let me put a caveat to that we don't do this just to get in our own country clubs and just uh, debate theology we do this so that we know um, really how to engage the various cultures in which God has positioned us. So that's why we do these things. So it's an equipping opportunity. Um, but anyway, um, before we get into reading the text and talking through the text, Uh, What's really important for us in any Bible reader is to get contextualization. And so I want to give you the contextualization of this particular text. This is a letter. It's written by the Apostle Paul to an audience. And you just need to know that he does something that I think is something we really want the peer pressure here of Grace Spring Bible Church to pressure you into putting on these same lenses Looking through the world with a, a biblical worldview, with a gospel-centered worldview. So the gospel lens we are going to be reminded of today as we go out. And really, high schoolers, as you go out to college, trust me, man, you have nothing to fear. I, I get, I get so concerned when I see these fearful even parents saying, okay, they're going out to the world, and yes, but man, when you've got the gospel as center and core, it's like a lighthouse, man. You you, you you are grounded, and you can take on anything, and I'll tell you, I was so ready for Oregon State. In fact, when I was in high school, I prayed, Lord, I want to play ball at a Division I school, so I can not only be on the mission field of the one school, but be the mission field of a team so that everybody on the team will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that drove me through high school. In fact, we had a group called Athletes in Action who came and talked to our high school. And that planted in me a seed that I wanted to play for an Athletes in Action team somewhere around the world just so I could use my love for baseball too propel with the gospel. But see, that's my story. Your story is totally different, and that is beautiful, and that's good, but it's living with a gospel lens. And secondly, um, you're going to see that the Apostle Paul, whatever culture he went into, he went guns blazing. I mean, he went guns blazing. He was so convinced that the gospel is what leads to life, no matter what. Whatever uh, Uh, timetable in history you lived, no matter what culture you live on the geography of this planet, the cross of Jesus Christ is for you. Do you agree with that? Man, it is for everybody. It. You know, we live in a very challenging day today, because for the first time in human history, the social media and the platform is communicating this idea that we live in a post-modern culture, a post-Christian culture, which means truth is relative, that you cannot say now something is truth. See, all throughout history, if you said one thing was truth, then the antithesis was then true, that to not be in truth is to live in untruth. Well, philosophical humanism has gotten to the stage today here in the 20th century that's bleeded over into the 21st century, that there is no truth, that all truth is relative truth. And it's like, are are you kidding me? Seriously, how does that play out in society? I mean, really? And the beauty is we have all have the image of God that is hardwired in all of us, whether you are a Christ follower or not, there's attributes of eternity that is deposited by your creator in your heart for bigger things, for bigger things than you. So two different groups of people that Paul is addressing here in Corinth are the Jews. Now, the Jews emphasized power. They wanted freedom from Rome. They had been uh, highlighting this idea that a Messiah would come. But they were looking for a Messiah that was all about power and demonstration of signs and those kinds of things. But then also, as opposed to two different uh, church plants, one to the Jews and one to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul says, we are going to do something absolutely radical what we're going to do is we're going to put the Jews and the Gentiles together under one roof. Now, Gentiles hated the Jews. And the Jews didn't have a fondness for the Gentiles. And so now it's like, good luck trying to put these under one roof And, you know, we see the impossibility of that. However, every week when we see any sports activity, you will see stadiums packed all with their team colors, and everyone under that same roof are cheering for the same team, but they have a whole lot of different positions and political persuasions and all of that, right? But they're uh, brought together together under one authority. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is going to do because he's going to talk to not only Jews but Greeks. He's emphasizing wisdom. He's going to emphasize wisdom because wisdom was hugely important for the Greeks. But as we're going to see today, everything to the Greek thinker and the Jew thinker Everyone is going to hear the message of the gospel and say, you are foolish, you were foolish, you were foolish. And trust me, I have had my share when I was in the corporate world of hearing, you were foolish, Brian, for believing that. Or at, at uh, the, the place I went to school, you're foolish for believing that. It's like, all right, all right, okay, you might consider me foolish, but I know that I know that I know. These are the words to lead to life. And uh, God doesn't love you any less. I just hope that the closer we are in relationship, you will see the good and the bad, and how I go through the bad, and hopefully that will be a little bit different than one without Christ. Amen? Um, so, foolish clarity, those who reject the message of the cross, um, those who reject the message of the cross see everything that we are doing here today is foolish. Seeing how you're spending your money, foolish. How you're spending your time, Foolish. But you know what? It is what it is. First Corinthians chapter one. Uh, we're we're going to talk through this um, in in phases here, but if I could give just really an outline, it is the outline is a foolish message delivered to a foolish people by a foolish messenger. I mean really that that's really kind of what this is, and I 'm being facetious when I say foolish because again, according to the audience and the majority of the audience who is going to be hearing this. This church that the Apostle Paul was addressing was very divisive and everyone had their camps and everybody was stirring it up and everyone was getting everybody on their own bandwagons. They were talking about other people on their bandwagons, but they were in the same church and the Apostle Paul says, no, we've got to contend for unity. So how are we to contend for unity? Uh, Verse 18 says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power. of God. What is so fascinating is I want to take you to Corinth right now. Um, Corinth, this picture here in Corinth is a theater that was excavated here in Corinth, and this is the location in which uh, the Apostle Paul um, would find himself um, referring to Um, The apostle Paul really did most of his uh, teaching um, at the synagogues, but when he was cast out of the synagogue, now it's just kind of like this place right here that you are seeing is the social media platform of the day. That in Rome, people would come here, sophists would come here, those in wisdom would come here, they would do their tours here, because on one side of this, there was an amphitheater that could seat as many as 18,000 people. But then on the back side, there was an auditorium that could seat up to 2,000 people. And it's this auditorium that sophists would come and they would impart their wisdom from all over the world. So this is the version of TED Talks would happen here. And uh, again, everything was about the oratory skills and uh, all of that. Uh, Again, even more than the message, people were impressed by how you said what you said. Are you living by what you were saying? And so uh, anyway, I think what's tragic is many who are outside the church, at least they live as pagans. It's like good for them. They live as pagans. I think tragically so many inside the church live like pagans, but because they go to church, they think something is uh, different. But there is a terminology um, that I just learned when I was studying for the sermons called catfishing. Um, any of you catfish? Okay, well, catfishing um, is not the uh, looking for a uh, a bottom feeder fish. Catfishing is if you've ever been duped by somebody who pretended to be there's someone they're not online, and you think you're talking to a Nigerian prince, and really you're talking to Stan, who's at the basement of his mom, uh, mom's uh, basement, who is trying to rob you of your money. Um, that terminology is called catfishing, and so really Paul's addressing catfishing. You who are projecting yourself one way, but really living something else. So uh, the Apostle Paul, this is going to be his platform. So again, we're at this foolish message. Um, For it is written, so he quotes from Isaiah 29, 14. He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? So three rhetorical questions right there. So he is exercising Greek uh, rhetorical oratory practice there, which I I think is pretty cool. Um, So he is engaging. He's connecting with the culture he is in. He says, "Has not God made the fool, uh, made foolish the wisdom of the world?" Um, I see it all the time. We see it in the news, don't we? That's why I say our. Society is so ripe for the Gospel of Jesus Christ, I do not at least in the least get discouraged over the times we 're in. I get discouraged when our message becomes politics and not the gospel. I get discouraged when our priorities become our preferences versus what is it that is going to reach the uh, the generation that needs so desperately this gospel in which we proclaim so um, as he 's going on, he says. Um, "'For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it was pleased through folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and and Greeks.' Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Um, Man, I got so much of that paragraph underlined in my Bible. Um, It's just so good. But really, why is he acknowledging that Our gospel is considered foolish. It's because of a crucified Savior. To the Jews who are all about power, it's like there's nothing at all strong about that act. Therefore, to many Jews... Um, Jesus is an embarrassment because it's like, how in the world could you possibly believe this Messiah that was prophesied all the way back in Genesis 3, how can you see Jesus as the fulfillment of that? Well, that's what I love, that we have a historical faith that's united cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation is the greatest miracle of the unity of the message of of a loving God who, as Raina so eloquently put in sharing the story of the gospel, it's just like through the love of God he did everything. And the cross is a reminder of the Lord doing everything to um, be able to bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful humanity. Amen? So and the Greek said, I mean, even the Romans, Romans won't even crucify their own. I mean, crucifixion was like the most shameful way to die. So to the Greeks, it's ridiculous. Oh, Jesus, he died on a cross? Yeah, right. Um, That is the most foolish thing we've ever heard. So it's a foolish message, but going on to the next paragraph, it's to a foolish people. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. This is why he says you have a tendency as people to follow personalities. Don't do that. You put your pastor at a very unhealthy place. That is not wise for you to do. There is only one alone to put your full allegiance behind. His name is Jesus Christ. And the beauty of Jesus Christ is that he used crackpots. How many crackpots do we have in here? Man, I'd say we got plenty of crackpots here. Um, I am one. Okay, and so, what I love is that God chooses the weak things of this world. How do are we reminded of that? Well, consider how Jesus came, the incarnation of Jesus, which we celebrated this past advent, His incarnation demonstrating something incredible so that you and I would have life and have it to the full doesn 't mean an easy life; it means a life that is living for something bigger than you. And, uh, and so, really, here is the rub with our society and with our human nature that we cannot shake on this side of glory. That mankind who sees no need for this kind of Savior. I say this kind of Savior because what kind of Savior is the Apostle Paul in our text highlighting? He is highlighting a crucified Savior. Savior. Now, later in the book, he's going to highlight a resurrected Savior, but right now, he says you do not get resurrection power without going through a cruciformed life. Pastor Kenneth said this last week very eloquently. It's just like we are called by nature as Christ followers, and we're not above our leader, right? We, we cannot bypass the path that Jesus Christ has for us, and that is the path that will lead us to dying to ourself, dying to ourself. It's a foolish message to a foolish people, but consider when Jesus Christ was crucified, what was done on these crucifixions is that the debt Of what this prisoner did, what this crucified person did, that debt was nailed over their head on the cross, okay? But here, Jesus Christ, he paid your debt. He paid your debt. He paid my debt. We must have a crucified Savior who is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Guys, that is what the gospel hits Right, I mean, that is the epicenter. I think we confuse the gospel today to be so many other things that are good things. They are just not the essential thing. The essential thing is sin leads to death each and every time. Sin has its own built-in consequences. Some are living out those built-in consequences. Sin has built-in consequences. You have a loving Savior who says, I have done what is necessary for you to die to you. Die to your own selfish passions that give glory to yourself, give ease to yourself. And instead, no, we live for this kind of Savior. Now, here is where this text gets misused all the time. And that is, some will read a text like this and said, God could only use the dumb, the ignorant, the lowly, the poor. And I go, that is not at all what the text is saying. The text is clearly saying that God has called, God has called. Three times we see in this paragraph alone, God has done the initiating to invite you into life with Him, not for Him, with Him. Hugely important to. To to really, really get that. And so if we think that it's only for the lowly, um, you're missing it. And we have, again, uh, I said in week one, there is this huge rock um, with the name Erasmus. And Erasmus is in scripture three different times. And for him to have and pave the way that was between the agora, the marketplace, and the theater This road, he, as kind of his going away parting gift as the treasurer of Corinth, he was a bright dude. He was sharp. He knew how to deal with money. That's why he was in his position as treasurer. And this that was found in the early 1900s is just like, what an incredible, Erasmus, his name is in here and records show he was the treasurer in Corinth. Isn't that great news? But he was a sharp dude. So don't think if we're asking you to do ministry, it's because we think that you're lowly, ignorant, dumb, and God only uses the weak things in this world to shame the wise. The verbiage there is according to the world's standards, the weak, the ignorant. But this is what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He uses all kinds. So... And it's delivered by a foolish messenger. Look uh, here in chapter uh, 2, verse 1. It says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Now, again, anyone who knows about Paul's background, he was a sharp guy. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He could outlaw you to death. I mean, you might say, hey, well, here's a loophole. He would say, no, here. He would have the uh, law memorized. He was a sharp guy. So what in the world is he saying that I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom? We've got to go back to Greek practice. In fact, um, I was writing down here um, that rhetoric to the Greeks had three aspects to rhetoric one was uh, logos and that was the content or some would say logos that is the content of the message but then what was hugely important to the greek was ethos 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 is the word we get for ethics and really it was the manner in which the articulator was articulating the message that was even more important than the message it was like, how convincing are they? Oh, it looks like they're living what they are teaching, so I can follow after that. Ethics was hugely important. But then also there was pathos, and that is passion. Now, the Greeks were very similar to we Dutch. And you get that? We Dutch, yeah, I know. I, I've had to become Dutch. I, I still, the, the, court, the attorneys have my name changed to uh, Vander Tima. Um <laughs> you know, because you're not Dutch, not much, all that kind of stuff. But the Dutch have a reputation of being stoic, um, and the Greeks had a reputation of being stoic. And so um, if you're a worship team leader, a praise team leader, it can uh, be a little bit frustrating when you lead stoic people because you want them to be a little bit more charismatic in their response. However, um, to the Greeks, they would engage. They would just engage, engage very stoically and just say, man, is this deep? Okay, is this going to get to my heart? Okay, I can follow that. Well, that's how the Dutch are, right? So, um, with that, just know that Paul's message was on Christ and the cross. Look at uh, verse 2, which I just think you've got to know this. For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. We said this on week one, that Paul had been through a lot before he spent his 18 months here planting a church in Corinth. But um, notice though, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus. Here's what that is not saying. Hey, man, what about the Buffalo Bills? Or what about the Cincinnati Bengals? Or what about the whatever? And you go, yeah, I don't care about that. I just want to talk Jesus. Uh, No, that is not what he's saying. Yeah, engage people in culture, okay? He's just saying that everything about me is going to highlight Jesus, 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 the crucified Jesus and how the crucified Jesus affects all of life. So um, if I could recommend a book to you, Um, it would be uh, this by C.J. Mahaney, Living the Cross-Centered Life, short book. You could read it very quickly, but um, if I could summarize it for you, what is living a cross-centered life look like? Well, it's that you run to the cross when you sin, okay? As people who are sinners We are called saints. That's where our identity is as children of the king. However, we cannot, cannot shake the sin nature from us. However, the expectation of the Holy Spirit of God is that we will rely on him and continue to put sin to death so we can live with him. That means that when you fail and you will fail and I will fail instead of running from God, you run to him. That's the sign that you understand what Jesus did for you. We've got plenty of people in church world who are filled with guilt and shame, and they stay away from church, especially in times like these, where it's like, hey, man, I haven't been to church in two years. Uh, Man, if I come back, I'm going to feel guilty about that. No, no, come back. This is the body of Christ at work. This is the living organism. But run to the cross when you sin. Don't run from the cross because that is just a demonstration that you don't get the power of the gospel too is be motivated by the cross and how you live all of life be motivated by the cross and how you live this is the beauty of the depth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that in no matter what context you ever find yourself you are able to understand and learn what the values is of that particular culture and you're able then to tie how the gospel is able to attack and meet the need of that culture. Trust me, here's a guy where, you know, you know this at nauseam, but for those of you who are new, I see some new faces today. Um, I was raised in Southern California. Some of you are like, oh, poor guy. I know, I know. I was raised in Southern California. I know some of you have the look of, what are you doing here? Okay, well, that's called calling. Um, But... What I was comfortable with in California was that if you didn't go to church, you didn't live anything like you, like those who went to church. I mean, it was like, hey, I'm pagan, and I, I love that I'm pagan. And then I moved to Texas, and I mean, that was the shocker of shockers. It was so shocking because everybody went to church there. I, it just it blew my world. It's like, what in the world? I, I, everyone goes to church. And I'm working with guys who say, yeah, I'm a Christian and I go to this church. And then they're inviting me to the strip club for lunch because they had great chicken nuggets and entertainment was great. And I'm like, What? This is, you're catfishing, man. You are catfishing. You are trying to portray something that is not the gospel at all. But you see how those different cultural contexts, if you're sharing the, uh, the gospel in a very pagan society, you've got to find ways to connect the gospel to that society so that people will listen. Um, that's how we get to persuade. Um, but it's the Holy Spirit of God in us. We just have to do our part and just say, let's know our stuff, church be motivated by the cross and how you live how it impact all of life and allow the cross to in, yeah to influence all of your life all of your life that is something that is the hardest thing is a pastor in the church of jesus christ is we have all kinds here and i praise god for that and that is very difficult i still see rivalries and divisions some people will say well man i got more of the holy spirit other people who don't well then they're a little bit lesser and if they could only just get to my standard of holy spirit following and it's like okay get off your high horse get off your high horse Because you do not know how the Holy Spirit of God is working in every life. And you might see signs. And this is why being a discipleship church is very awesome and very dangerous. Because I see discipleship leaders all the time misusing their influence and stirring up the pot as opposed to bring unity in the body of Christ. Because preferences, our preferences should be the preferences that are followed. And then we get everyone on our bandwagon, and then we look down on those who are not our bandwagon. Trust me, as a pastor, this is the battle I fight every time, and I crazily hit my button. Um, So anyway, with all of that, Please understand, all of us are susceptible. We are in a daily spiritual battle every time. I'm just saying my heart is broken with people that I've seen who are so passionate at one time, so loving at one time, that are now so, eh, um, don't talk to me. Um, That's tragic. Sharing a Christ-centered gospel or cross-centered gospel is this. Emphasize Jesus, not rules. See, we can't just live by our lifestyle. We've got to live by our talk. We've got to make sure we're not catfishing. We are living what we are proclaiming. Amen? And so to do that, we live in a day. This is the only thing that will press through postmodern nonsense in which we live today. And that is emphasize Jesus, not rules. Emphasize Jesus, not rules rules we live in our culture of southwest michigan that's also highly traditional highly religious all of that kind of thing now we're you know the the tide is turning however we still live in a part of michigan where people won't look at you crazily for going to church however i think many times we just totally water down the gospel and we confuse the gospel to be going to church no the gospel is not going to church The gospel is a relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. Historical, proven fact. This is why I went to college with zero fear. Why? You could out debate me all day. All day. What you can't out debate is there's a historical Jesus who was crucified, who died, who rose again. Easiest faith in the world to dismantle. So, piece of cake to dismantle. You discredit that, you've discredited all of faith. Why are we here? Because it can't be discredited. Can't be discredited. And it changes and impacts every single culture. I was raised in a very mission, missionary sending. I think at the time it was the largest missionary sending church in the country, with I think a, a, a crazy five million dollar budget to missions. Okay, um, big time. I got front seat to many missionaries in my youth group who traveled from all over the world, and they told stories of how Jesus is alive and well, and the miracles, and it's like, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that, and I've been a part of that. It's just not as a missionary in some foreign field. It's being a missionary here where we live, work, and play. I miss the corporate world. I truly miss the corporate world because Every day going to work was fun because it was a missionary, it was a, a missions trip. Every day was a missions trip going to work. It was, the oh, Lord, how are you going to use me? What conversations might you use me? What lunch do I have to have? Okay, where do you want Tammy and I to invite? Oh, you want us to be part of a water ski club? Yeah, we could do that every Wednesday. Mission Bay, San Diego? Yeah, we'll do that. Hey, let's start talking about life and godliness. It's like, man, we saw lives changed. Every day 's a mission field, but now i 'm a pastor, so now i 've got to motivate you guys who are in the foxholes, and sometimes i got to jump in there with you because I miss it like crazy. People think that being a pastor is like the great greatest no no i I have to motivate you guys and uh and you are in the foxholes, but I want to be there with you and uh, so we've got to be reminded that the calling of a christ-centered life is this galatians two twenty. commit this to memory i'm so jazzed that um our kids are being encouraged in bible memory in fact i took on the challenge hey if you guys are going to memorize this many verses then your pastor is going to memorize that many verses and you can quiz me i'll quiz you because we need to know the Word of God. But this is one to memorize, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the Christian life. It's living the cruciformed life. It is allowing my preferences, my positions, I will die to those if those get in the way of me connecting the good news of the truth of the gospel with you. Amen? That's called sacrifice. We don't do that well as a society. Um, Western church really struggles with sacrifice. We think inconvenience is sacrifice. No, we are called to sacrifice. So I'm going to invite the worship team out right now because I want you to ponder these two questions ponder these two questions. One is this, have you done what the world considers a foolish thing, embracing Jesus as your savior and king? And king is so important. That is the Christian life in totality. A lot of people come to church, oh yeah, I prayed a prayer. It's like, yeah, okay, well, tell me in scripture where you prayed a prayer and now, all right. No, it is living a life with the risen Savior, living a life. If you don't know what that looks like, I'm telling you, we are going to be a journey this year as a church family. I tell you, I had a born-again experience two weeks ago. Your pastor is born again. Hopefully you see it today. Um, And here's what I mean by that, is that I had to come to grips with some emotional unhealth in my own soul And I was preparing a week on emotionally healthy spirituality, the uh, series we're going to be doing following Easter. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit of God hit me upside the head in so many ways, in so many good ways to say, hey, Brian, you've been just trying to apply Jesus to stuff. And almost kind of live a let-go-let-God lifestyle, but you got to do some hard work, and I'm here to help you. Let's go under the waterline, and let's address all this stuff under the waterline. It's like, praise God, here we go. It's hard work, but we're going to do that together as a church. And we're doing this, getting into the Word, get our, doing the hard work of doing what the Holy Spirit of God wants us to, and that is have a real relationship with the living God. Amen? I want that. Playing church stinks, guys. I would have used a different term, but stinks works um playing church is not where life is okay living life with the risen savior who showed us that the way to life is through calvary the way to the resurrection is through sacrifice and so then my final question and this is really a humdinger are you following a crucified jesus or an americanized jesus Americanized Jesus, what do you mean? Oh man, we have so Americanized Jesus. Easy life, pray, and it will be given to you. So we pray for everything we want when, in context, it's like God, whatever you want. And if this means for me to die to this so that others will live, I'm on board. Man, the world so needs to see that church. They don't want you to be catfishing them, saying one thing, doing something totally else, misrepresenting your Savior and Lord. This is the opportunity for us to be a gymnasium family of faith to encourage one another. Amen. So these notes are on our church app. Uh, man, I pray that you're working through our growth guides. Those are designed to help you grow deeper in your walk with faith. But you know what? Let us let me pray over you, church. It's been a, such a beautiful, beautiful time here. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for opening our eyes to the mystery and truth of your love for your creation is seen in the cross of Jesus. Thank you that the cross turns former enemies into friends. We thank you that your gospel has traction in every single culture. So I pray we be a gospel above all church, a church that is clear in who we follow a crucified Jesus helping us live a cruciformed life in how we relate with other people in the, the in the forgiveness that we extend lord forgive us for living and doing what is right in our own eyes when our own eyes kind of living contradicts your word paul was about the church contending for unity and the one thing that helps provide unity central is the cross of Jesus Christ knowing that we are all undeserving but God's unmerited favor was directed to us and so father may the gravity and the enormity of that cause our hearts just to overflow with joy as we respond to this gospel we pray in your holy name amen Amen. you know church as we uh Closing song. Um, please know, I have had no greater joy than to be able to see the types of requests that are up there on these boards. And if you haven't written on these boards and you feel so led right now to lead and and write on these boards, what has been most encouraging to me is that the number of people who have written deep things. I mean, their roots are wanting to go deeper. Your roots are wanting to go deeper. And I'll tell you, if you need some encouragement, read some of those. What people are feeling called to uh, to live in the security of their identity, their calling, their mission, everything that our growth guides about, and then praying under Christ's authority for, they are deep prayers. It's like, praise God, we're getting there, church. We're getting there, church. Amen? So let's rise and let's sing and let's celebrate our savior and